Well, good morning, uh, Journey Church. Good to see all of you out, uh, out and about. A busy, busy weekend. A lot of people traveling. School's out, so summer's on, and that's kind of how it works, and we're glad you're here to share with us in that. Uh, today, we're going to be wrapping up a series that we've been in for a few weeks, I Love My Church. Uh, we're going to kind of wrap that up, and we're going to begin a new series next week on Colossians. This will be a kind of a verse-by-verse study through the book of Colossians, which is a great, great practical book. Uh, so we'll be in that for a few weeks throughout this summer. But I'm glad you're here with us today as we wrap this one up. Um, <clears throat> let me tell you a story before we get totally into there. I heard a story the other day. I thought it was really, really kind of cool. Uh, some guys were out uh, sailing one day when they came upon what they thought was a deserted island, kind of uncharted waters, wasn't on their maps or anything. So they pull up there uh, on the, the, the beach and get out, and they look around, and first thing they see are some footprints. And they realized, you know, we're not alone here. And so they began to uh, kind of look around. And just in a few moments, uh, this figure burst out of the uh, tropical forest there. It's like a, uh, a Robinson Crusoe type of figure. And he rushed out to them and, you know, hugged them, welcomed them. And, uh, and they said, well, we're going to, he told about his shipwreck and we're going to rescue you. And he was thrilled to death. And he said, before we go, let me show you what I've done. And uh, so he took them around and he showed them. Uh, you know, how he collected rainwater and had been able to have fresh water and how he, you know, speared fish and trapped animals. And, and he had survived on this island and done really well. And they were amazed that he had built all this stuff up. And, and they said, well, where have you been living? And he said, let me show you my house. And so he takes them to this small clearing there in the, in the, uh, the forest. And there are, there's three buildings. And he says, uh, this is my home. And he takes them in and all the things he had done, how um, industrious he had been the time he was there. And and they said, this is incredible. And they said, what's the other buildings? And he goes, well, let me show you. This is my church. And so he takes him in. It was a small church, really small. But he said, this is uh, my church, you know. And, uh, and I just come here every Sunday and worship. That's, that's great you have a church. That's awesome. And he said, well, what's the other building? He goes, oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to wake up and move, all right. Well, I think the point of that is that sometimes we have to admit that the reason we might not be content in our church is that it's not everybody else, you know? Maybe it's us. We're not content with ourselves and where we are in our relationship with God. And we've been trying to address that. We've been talking for a few weeks about how we're to love our church. We talked about the importance of community within the church, connecting with one another. We started uh, several new groups through that. We talked about serving together uh, last week, about using the gifts that we have. We talked about giving to one another, and uh, two weeks ago or so, uh, we had over $2,600 just given impromptu uh, by you guys, and uh, we gave that to the deacons, and they're now in the process of uh, uh, distributing that to needs throughout the church family. And today we're going to be closing out by talking about sharing our faith with those who are not believers. And I, I think that's really important, in that God wants us to understand that he wants everyone to know about this life of salvation, of forgiveness, of peace, of, of healing and purpose and hope. We, we have this treasure that God's given us. But we have to ask the question, how do other people experience that? You know, how do we experience that in our lives? How do we come to know about Jesus? How can others know about God as well? And the, the answer for that is, is very simply that it comes down to those of us who are in the church to tell them about Jesus. That is so simple and yet sometimes so difficult for us to grasp that it really is given to us to do that. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone 
preaching to them and how can they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and I've always loved those series of rhetorical questions because we don't have to answer any of them it's pretty obvious that nothing's gonna happen unless someone takes the initiative to go and, and a lot of people say well that preach I'm not a preacher right well the whole idea of preaching is not specifically from the stage what we're doing this morning you know to be honest with you uh, lecture is probably the least most effective way of communicating and persuading people it really isn't all that great now don't leave or anything because it works a little bit uh, but it's not the best way to do that you know and, and if you're not called to be a preacher uh, that's just great not everybody is but the the idea is one-on-one -on -one sharing is really where it's all about it's the best way to lead someone to Christ and to influence them and a lot of people don't feel like they have that knowledge in fact I would say 99% of believers just feel like they're not gifted enough they don't know enough they don't have confidence enough but the reality is if you're a, a follower of Christ you have the ability to help someone else experience what you have and you're called to do that um, I quote a, a very famous man his name's Tony Harden uh, Tony said that we find community in groups but transformation takes place one-on-one -on -one. and I love to think about that because we all need community we all need one another we all need the, the big worship we all need smaller groups but the reality is that transformation really takes place when one person sets down with another and that really is the best way to share your faith with somebody here's how Jesus explained it about the influence the type of influence that we're to have in Matthew chapter 5 he says you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you are the light of the world a town built upon a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven here's the amazing thing that I think we have to grasp is that God has entrusted to each of us the gospel of Jesus Christ he has given this treasure to us and he expects us to share it with other people and one of the ways that we can do that literally uh, that we can love the church literally is to show the love of Jesus to a world that does not know who Jesus is you know we want to be in we want to love our church we want community we want to be able to give to one another receive we want to serve one another but the reality is it has to come out of us into the world around us cannot just stay inside the body of Christ we can't just circle the wagons and pretend everything's good when there are people outside who we know are lost and if we're gonna love our church we have to share the church so in the scripture we read in Matthew chapter 5 there are a couple of ways that Jesus explains the influence that the church has on people who are on the outside and I think it's important they're probably familiar to some of us but maybe we don't think about what the true impact of them are the first one Jesus talks about is he says you are the salt of the earth now when I read that I think that analogy I think could be a little bit lost on us today because salt is no big deal for most of us uh, in fact uh, you probably have several salt shakers in your house uh, you've got a, a one of those round boxes of salt in the pantry more than likely if you run out uh, if you uh, you live up in here and we get some snows you probably got some in the garage you throw on on the uh, the driveway and the best use of salt in my opinion is to make homemade ice cream so maybe if you got you know some there somewhere salts no big deal it's everywhere right 
We see big piles of it around that the, the state uses to salt the roads. But you know what? In that day, salt was a very valuable commodity. In fact, salt is one of the most under, um, underrated and important minerals in the world. So much so that the body, the human body, cannot function without salt. Now, we don't recognize that because sodium is in everything, right? And most, some of us should be watching our salt. Lori always reminds me of that because we get too much. But in that day, salt was, a, it was in shortage. And salt is mentioned all the way back in the time, even also in the book of, Bi of the Bible first. First mentioned in the book of Job, uh, 2,250 years before Christ. And there are 31 other references in the Bible about that. The notable one probably comes to mind is Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt as they were leaving the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were escaping the destruction. But salt has also had a, uh, a big part in, in shaping the world that we live in today. Animals that were searching for salt uh, led my, uh, paths and trying to find it. And then men came along and followed the game paths, hunting them, which then turned into roads that then turned into settlements and cities. Now we've made interstates that go straight through, but a lot of the country roads still follow the very game paths that, you know, from years and years ago that animals um, made by trying to find salt. That's pretty important. Back in many years ago, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. And this is where we get the word salary we use all the time. People who are lazy are called not worth their salt. Those who are good people are called the salt of the earth. Pretty incredible, pretty interesting, isn't it? Battles have been fought over salt. Many people say the Civil War would probably have turned out differently if the South had not lost their salt factories. The Erie Canal was built to move salt uh, to, to Chicago. So that's pretty incredible. Somebody's been on Morton Salt site, right? All this information. But there, guys, come on. Stay with me here, all right? Somebody said salt had 14,000 purposes. 14,000. Uh, we know what it does, right? Salt flavors. Eat some food, it's kind of bland, you know, pass the salt, right? Everything we eat has some level of sodium in it. Salt also is a preservative. Uh, when I was a kid, we would kill hogs and some of that, the hams, shoulders, and bacon, we would put into a meat house and cure with salt. And you don't even have to refrigerate it because it's, it keeps. So it has a pre it's preserves. Salt can also be used for, heal for healing as well. You know, salt was used many, many times. You... You, uh, for, for healing the body, scarling salt water, putting it on blisters. Yeah, it stings, but it heals as well. So in all those things, don't miss what Jesus is saying. He's talking about the power of salt, and I'm sure you had no idea that salt was so versatile, but it's used in so many ways. So how do we apply that to us being salt of the earth? I think Jesus is making it really clear how necessary and important Christians are for the world, that we change a bland everyday world into something special because of the gospel of Jesus and because we've experienced this personal transformation in our lives through Jesus Christ now our presence and our influence is necessary to change the rest of the world that we're called to flavor the world to transform it to preserve it to keep it for God's purposes to heal the hurts of our world we're to be the salt of the earth pretty important pretty powerful the second thing Jesus said you're to be the salt of the, to be the light of the world. Fortunately for you, I don't have a lot of facts about light, all right? But you know, the reality is, is that uh, light, we take that for granted as well. You know, we walk into a room, flip on the switch. We don't ever worry about light. We have lights everywhere until the power goes out. Then we start thinking about how important light is in our life. 
But in that day, they didn't have electricity, obviously. And if they were going to have light in their homes, they had these small lamps that were burned on oil. You can imagine a little flicker of light coming out of oil, not a lot. But if they took that little flicker and they put it up on an elevated lampstand, it would spread its life to every dark corner of the house. And I thought that was interesting in that light not only encompasses the room it's in, but it has a way of pervading even around corners and lighting the whole house is what Jesus said. Light removes darkness. Jesus is described as the light of the world. And he tells us in turn that we are to do the same. We are to shine our lights so that people would see our good deeds and would glorify God the Father. So when we live our life, it has a direct reflection on the lives of other people, and it points people to God. We'll talk about it in a minute how we can do that. But we can dispel the darkness of sin when we live our lives faithfully for, for, for Him, and together we can overcome this dark world. When many points of light come together and join one another, obviously there's a lot more bright that, brightness that comes out. And that's kind of the picture of the church that Jesus is talking about. So as these two analogies, as salt and light, we are to bring taste and atmosphere of Jesus' kingdom to our world. In fact, here's the thing that struck me is that the church is not just a plan, it is the only plan that God has for the salvation of the world. God didn't send into to action many different plans. He only has one plan, and he gives that plan to us. This is not just a plan. It is the plan that God has. And I thought, you know, that's a lot of responsibility. The church has survived today. The gospel survived today because the church has been handed down through the generations, and every, no generation can fail in that. The light has to be passed from one to the other. And I think God has a lot of confidence in us, probably much more than we deserve and unfortunately, we let him down many times. How many times have you had a chance to be light or salt, and you blew it? You let it pass by. How many times have we had a chance to bring glory to God or point people to Jesus, and, and unfortunately, we fail him in that? You know, for many of us, we whine and complain about society, about the culture, about the world going to hell in a handbag, when what we ought to be doing is spreading salt, shining light into the world. Being a light so other people can see it, and it doesn't have to be a huge a spotlight a beam. It just needs to be a little light. That's kind of what Jesus was talking about. And so the question maybe we ought to ask ourselves is how much light and how much influence are you personally sharing with other people? Are you in a dark place? You know, some of us work in dark places, and maybe God has intentionally put us there to be a light. Some of us work in a bland world where people are looking for something, a little bit of flavor, a little bit of purpose for life, and we're not sharing any salt. We're not impacting the group that we work around. Wherever God has put us, we need to be making a difference there. Now, I think that's important to know because for the last four or five weeks, we've been focusing almost solely on the church. We've talked about the church community. We've talked about giving and helping one another. We've talked about using our gifts for one another. But you know what? It cannot stay inside these walls. We can have the greatest fellowship in the world and still be disobedient to God because we're not taking it outside this place. And what God is calling us to do is live out the values that Jesus taught us. And when we do that, people will experience the Jesus community. They will experience the impact of other believers. I think it's no coincidence that the salt light scripture we read a few moments ago is found right after what we call the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. 
Now, you probably are familiar with them, but I'm going to read through them real quick here. The Beatitudes are the values that Jesus gave for his kingdom. It was his public proclamation. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And then he went into this, into this presentation. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those whose hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. But in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this, li this list of what we call beatitudes or values, they under underline and describe the lifestyle that we're called to live. And whenever we live like this, when we live our lives in this pattern and we proclaim the message that we've been given in Christ, then we're going to bring flavor and, uh, and light to a dark and rotting world. I want you to think about the, the places God has put you. Think about your neighbors. Think about your coworkers. Think about your family. Think about the friends that you have, anyone that you see on a regular basis. The people that you might have a chance to bring light into the world. Now, maybe, maybe you meet somebody on a you know, one-time basis. I've done this. I've had great conversations with people on an airplane. You know, If you've ever tried that, uh, you can have a great conversation, and maybe you can you know, kind of spark something in someone. But the way that you really have an impact on people is when you are around them on a regular basis. The people you come in contact with, the people that are in darkness or the people that are living a purposeless life that you can begin to speak into their life and, and share with them. And to me, I think this is one area of the Christian life that we fail in often. You know, maybe we're living a pure life and everything, but it pretty much is surrounding with us and our church community or our faith community. And I guess what I'm trying to encourage you to do is to say, yeah, we need that internally. We need to love one another, give, share, serve, everything like that. But at some point, it has to bubble over out of here into the lives of other people so they'll see the, Im the impact that Christ has had on our lives. People will experience the kingdom of heaven from you in the normal course of life, and they will see Jesus in you. And that really is the reason, I think, that God even leaves us here after we give our life to Christ. Those who have truly experienced Christ Jesus will help other people experience him as well. We said it a little a few years ago. We said it like this, found people, find people. If you've been found, if you've been rescued, then you have this burning desire, this awareness of where you were and, and where other people that you know are, still are. And if you've been rescued, the thing, your, your passion, your concern is for people who are still out there somewhere. And notice how personal Jesus makes this. He says, you are the light of the world. Nothing vague about that, right? A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you notice how many times he says your? This is not just some vague reference to maybe you ought to make a difference. This is that ownership. This is God saying, uh, Jesus saying, no, this is your responsibility. Your Father, your friends, your light. Make sure you sign it and share it with other people. I think what we've discovered the last few weeks is that loving our church is really all about relationships. It's about our relationship with God, 
It's about the horizontal relationships with one another, but it also doesn't stop there. It has to extend and expand to relationships outside our faith circle, our the people who think just like us. We began this series a few weeks ago in John chapter 13 with this verse, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that's a great verse, but let me ask you this. How will people observe that you love one another if we're never around them? Are they going to hear about it? Are they going to, you know, is the word going to get out some way? Or are they actually going to be able to see that? that? If you have love for one another in the church, then they have to experience that. They've got to have some kind of contact with us. You can't season and shine if you aren't out and about with non-believers. And so that's important that we don't just limit our contact to the people who believe just like us. We have to be intentional. We have to find ways that are creative to be able to let our light shine before others so that they can see our good deeds and glorify God. I think that's important that our ministry is not just to each other, even though that's important, but our ministry is beyond each other. That there are other people who are desperate to know Jesus. And one of the things that God taught me a few years ago is that those who are in danger always take priority over those who are safe. You got two kids, one's in the yard, one's in the road. You're going to be more concerned about the one in the road than you are on the one in the yard, right? And I believe that God is passionately concerned about people who are in danger. Yes, he wants the church to be great and healthy and, and, and you know, warm feelings to one another. But he's concerned about those who are on the outside. So we have to understand that, that we have to have an impact to our world, not just with one another, even though both are important. Heard a question a couple of years ago, really has made me think a lot. Here's the question. If Journey Church ceased to exist, would our community miss us? If we were no longer here, would anybody care? Would they even notice at all? Or would they say, wait a minute, you've got to fix whatever your problem is. You can't, you can't just go away. You can't stop what you're doing. I would hope that our community would say, no, we need the ministries of this church. We need what you bring. We need what you provide. We need the care and the, um, the encouragement that you give. Here's something I've noticed uh, down through time, is that even though there are many people around us who are not interested in Jesus right now, they are really happy that we are. Even though they don't have any interest in the church, they're really glad that the church is there. It makes them feel good, if nothing else, which we don't want to just, you know, create that kind of environment in them. But we want to remind them that we do care about them because there will probably be a day, someday, when they're interested, someday when they're hurting, someday when they're wondering, when they're longing, when something strikes them, and they'll want to know where to go. Now, to be honest, it's hard to be that patient sometimes and to wait. And just wait people out. But that's what we have to do. We have to be a presence that shows love to people when they don't have any interest in what we're doing. And we also have to be a place that shows, uh, that is attractive to people as they see how we love one another and as we have love for them as well. So that's important. Now, as we wrap up this series, I want to challenge you again to love your church. One more time, to love your church. And one of the ways that you can show that you love your church is to commit to membership here at Journey Church. Now, I think that's very important. Let me give you four good reasons why it's important to be a part of a local church. And I will speak out to those who, who watch us on Facebook Live because, you know, we have people that are in different parts of the country that watch our Facebook Live uh, feed on a regular basis, which is awesome. But I want to encourage people who do that, even who do that, it's a good thing, 
but to try to find the local church to be a part of. And I encourage people who are in Woodford County to come and be a part of Journey Church. It's important that you have a church. Why? Four reasons. First of all, we tend to drift spiritually when we're not connected relationally. Shouldn't happen. Being us and God ought to be enough, but unfortunately it's not. We need one another. A church is not required for salvation and spiritual growth, but without it, both become much more challenging. I'm not going to say it's important, it's impossible, but it's important, it's critical. I don't know a lot of people who are growing spiritually who are not connected with a church somewhere. When you're connected to a group of committed believers together, the likelihood of your continuing spiritual growth is exponentially higher. Secondly, Christianity was never intended to be an independent journey. You were never meant to grow alone. The nature of Christianity is relational. Relational between us and God, one another, even beyond that. We need each other. There is no perfect church. There are no perfect Christians. But together, we can help each other become the person that God wants us to be. Thirdly, our shared gifts, our talents, and our resources make us stronger. We talked last week about our spiritual gifts. And the fact that none of us can accomplish everything alone, but as we look at our giftedness, we see this picture of how we can work together and strengthen each other. And then fourthly, and maybe most importantly, God has ordained the church as his organized plan for redemption. God ordained that. God ordained only two institutions. One was marriage, the other is the church. That makes both of them extremely important and valuable. God has a plan for his church. It is the only plan that he has for redemption to come. Ephesians chapter 3 says his intent, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, to the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Notice that Paul says, his intent was that through the church, the wisdom of God would be shared and made known throughout the world. Redemption has always been God's plan and purpose, and God appointed the church to carry out that purpose. That's important. And if it's important enough to him for, for God to sacrifice his son to die for, for Jesus to establish and build, then it's important for us, important for us to be a part of and be connected and committed to and if, if Jesus said it's, it's important, then it's, it's worth more than our casual sh attendance. It's worth more than participation during the holidays. It's, it's important. And we ought to recognize that and we ought to commit. You know, church membership is un unimportant to many people. But I think if someone is a follower of Jesus Christ, we ought to be a member of a church. The pattern we see in the Bible is you come to, come to know Jesus, you give your life to him, you're baptized, you get connected with the church, and then you grow spiritually. In fact, in every example in the Bible where people became followers of Christ, they joined a group of believers to find community, to, to share, to serve, to use the gifts that God's given them to glorify God and encourage one another. And the last scripture for you, Ephesians 2, you are a member of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. God has a place for every one of us in his family. Whenever you came in this morning, hopefully you got a, members, a card that looks like this. And we have some guys in the back because we know we had some holes that we missed. But if you don't have one of these, would you just raise your hand, at least just to look at. Um, got one up front. Um, well, we did a pretty good job, actually, of handing those out, I guess. But if you don't have one, please do that. 
what we've got here is just a card, and it talks about membership in Journey Church. Keep your hands up, and we'll uh, um, make sure everybody gets one just to look at it, even if you don't fill it out. Um, we, we think membership's important. Now, I want to tell you, sometimes our church membership can be uh, an excuse. Uh, I'm a member of such and such church, and may not go there, but they have membership. But uh, So it's a hard thing to balance all the time, but we think it's important. We think it's valuable. And so we'd like to ask you today, as we wrap up this series, uh, to think about membership. And here's the thing. Many of you here are members. We know that. Many of you here think you're members, and that's fine. Many of you here have no idea if you're a member or not. You come regularly on a regular basis. But I want to encourage you, if you count this your church home, if you are an immersed believer in Christ, because we believe the Bible teaches that what, that's what brings us into Christ, if you believe that, hey, we're on the right track and being a, a mission with the church that says we want to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus, if you understand the values of, of Journey Church, of belonging to Christ, belonging to one another, growing in Christ and sharing, which are kind of the three values that we want to focus on, and you know that this is, needs to be your church home, you need to be committed for you, then we're asking you to fill out one of these cards and turn it in. There are some baskets back on the table as you exit. You can just drop it in at that point. If you want to pray about it, that's fine. We want to get this into your hands because we think it's important that there is that you have membership in a church. Now, if you think you're a member, fill one out. I am going to fill one out. I know I'm a member of this church, but we don't want there to be any vagueness. I think it says something in our mind. Yes, I'm a member. I know I am. No doubt whatsoever about it. Not the most important thing in the world. Belonging to the kingdom of God in heaven is the most important thing. But this is important, and we ask you to fill that out. You can, put, again, put them in the baskets in the back there. Because we want to be a member of God's family, and we want to have a household where we're connected, where we're growing, and where we're serving at. And so membership is important. Well, this wraps up our series on uh, loving our church. We hope that you love your church, that you live that out. And that people around you and the world out there, they know you love your church and there's value in that. And we want to help you, whatever we can do, obviously, uh, to come to know the Lord and love him and the church more. We're going to wrap up now by going into a, a time of communion. Uh, this is an important part of our service. We do this every week. If you're not uh, part of our church family and you're invited, if you are a believer, you're invited to come and to share in the communion. We do this by responding, by just walking forward the two outside aisles and uh, coming to the table and then circling back to your, your seat. But this is the time that we come together to celebrate as a family, to commune with our Father but also with one another and to share in a time of remembering what Jesus has done for us. When you come forward, there's a cup of juice and a piece of bread that's a reminder of the blood and the body of Christ that was given for us. This is a time for us to reflect, a time for us to remember what God has done for us, and the Bible says also to examine ourselves as we do so. And so if you are a believer in Christ, we invite you to join us in this time. I'm going to be off to, over to the side if you'd like to talk a few moments, if you want to have a word of prayer, whatever that may be, I'd be glad to spend that time with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you built a family, and it is the church. God, we, we know that the church isn't always what it should be. We know the church um, is sometimes we let each other down, we fail each other, we fail you. But God, our intention and our, our hope is that we would be the faithful body of Christ. And that not, not, not only we enjoy one another, but we would reach out to the world around us, a hurting world, 
that needs to be encouraged, that needs to be healed, and it needs to have a light shown into it. God, help us to be that church, be faithful for you, knowing that one day we're going to answer to you. Lord, I pray that as we have this time of, of committing to, to membership, that, Lord, it would be uh, important to us, important enough to take a few moments and jot this information down to say, yes, I'm, I'm going to commit. I'm going to be accountable uh, to a group of people, and I'm going I'm to show up, and I'm going to worship and serve and, uh, and honor you and be a part of the, of the local church. Lord, I pray also as we go into this time of communion, that, Lord, you would draw our minds and hearts to you and that as you, you would uh, take these emblems that we have share, are sharing, Lord, and as we do so, we would be reminded of the incredible sacrifice of Jesus in our life, Lord. God, we just want to honor you through our lives, through our church. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.